Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode of the Hokie Hangover podcast is brought to you by Main Street Pharmacy, where they treat you like a neighbor, not a number. They're a locally owned pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg, dedicated to the well-being of you and your family. Dr. Jeremy Counts and his staff have been serving the Blacksburg and surrounding communities since 2016. The pharmacists and friendly staff will treat you like family at Main Street Pharmacy, where they're dedicated to providing customers with services that are customized to meet their needs. Whether it's prescription medications or over-the-counter products, they're here to answer any and all of your questions. If you haven't taken advantage of one of their many services, make sure to call or stop by and see them today. In downtown Blacksburg, you can find them at 301 South Main Street in downtown Blacksburg or online or over the phone, 540-605-7721 or visit msblacksburg.com. That's msblacksburg.com. Main Street Pharmacy, where they treat you like a neighbor, not a number. Hokey hangover. Ricky, it's been about a week and a half since we last recorded, and I feel like it's been nothing but news on this side of the aisle as far as Virginia Tech football is concerned. But first, how you doing, buddy? Um, I'm fine. I'm pretty exhausted. It's been a long day. But um, yeah, man, like the news cycle just does not end, it feels like, with Virginia Tech. Um, there's always something going on. Like if I was if I was back on the beat, like I would have no problem coming up with content, given all the stuff that's going on this year. Um, but wow, yeah, it's been it's been a hell of a hell of a week. It has been, and it started this past Monday with pretty crazy news that came down out of Blacksburg. Um, Virginia Tech redshirt junior safety Devin Hunter, and look, it's a tough conversation, but we're going to have it right off the top here, Ricky. Devin Hunter was arrested. First, he was indefinitely suspended. Let's start there. On Monday morning, uh, Virginia Tech Athletic Department releases a statement saying that uh, Devin Hunter had been suspended for not upholding the standards expected of a student athlete at Virginia Tech. So that can mean a number of things. That can mean student conduct violations. It could mean student honor code violations. Um, But in a lot of cases, it means something criminal has occurred because usually and, and always a felony charge of any sort um, leads to a player being indefinitely suspended from athletics. And unfortunately, the news broke later in the day on Monday um, in the afternoon that Devin Hunter had been arrested this past Sunday with two pretty troubling charges against him. Um, he was arrested on charges of strangling another, causing wound or injury, and assault on a family member. Um, look, it carries class six felony violations. There's opportunity for him to be in prison for one to five years. Pretty serious stuff here, Ricky, um, that you never want to see. And it's, it really kind of shook the program to its core. 
I think it's fair to say. Um, Justin Fuente, just last month, you know, when talking about the Hokies, uh, you know, when Virginia Tech had opened fall camp, he talked about Devin Hunter specifically when asked about it during media availability and talked about how he's worked so hard and he's waited so long for his opportunity. And he's a guy who the entire coaching staff wanted to see do well because of what kind of person and what kind of player he was. So you can understand how shocking this was when Devin Hunter had been arrested and these types of charges were levied against him. Now, obviously, innocent until proven guilty, and we got to wait till all the facts come out. But on the surface, this is not good, Rick. Well, of course, it's not good. Um, it's it was especially surprising uh, given all of the good things that we've heard about Devin. Devin's been in the program now for a long time, and not once have we heard anything relating to bad character when it comes to Devin Hunter. Um, and, and we've heard quite often the opposite. Um, coaches and players have lauded Devin for his leadership and his maturity on several occasions throughout his tenure in Blacksburg thus far. Um, so this was by no means predictable. Um Given the given the charges and given that it was a family issue, it sounds like I'm going to reserve judgment on the actual in, incident itself, because we all know that a lot of times the original set of events are not exactly what happened. Um, there's three sides to every story. There's yours, mine and the, and the truth. So we have to be patient when it comes to that. Um, so I, I hope everyone refrains from um, declaring Devin a bad person just because we don't have all of the, the facts yet. And there really isn't, it's, it's kind of a, he said, she said at this point. So let's all kind of take a step back from that and, and focus on football, which is um, number one, it's a really sad development in the career of Devin Hunter. Devin's been through a lot. Devin, was, had a lot heaped on his his shoulders immediately. Um, he was expected to compete with Reggie Floyd for the starting rover position immediately coming out of high school. That didn't really happen, and Devin quickly got shuffled to the back in, in terms of playing time. Uh, he red shirts his second year in the program. Um, last year he kind of plays off the bench, but this entire time the, the, the case has been building that Devin is a bust considering the kind of recruit that he was coming out of, out of high school. And this was supposed to be the year that Devin kind of put it all together and showed that he was going to be a, at least a good college football player. Um, even if he wasn't going to be a star, which a lot of people were expecting him to be. Um, and now that's, that's all completely off the table. I mean, he, he is indefinitely suspended until this entire issue is resolved. Um, and it looks like his next hearing isn't until mid late November, November 19th. Um, so there is basically zero chance that Devin Hunter plays football this year. Um, and that's a shame just because of the, the career arc that, that he has had thus far in that this was supposed to be kind of the the ultimate moment for him where he could prove himself and kind of earn that that hype that came with him. So it's a shame. I hope everything gets worked out with him and his family and, and the alleged victim. Um, 
And now Tech's got to figure out who the hell is going to play Rover because Devin was supposed to be the guy. Yeah, so I guess natural transition to try to figure out who's going to replace Devin Hunter on the field. Um, J.R. Walker, former four-star safety, uh, he's a redshirt freshman. He seems like a guy who would be a pretty good candidate to slide in. Um, Tyree Rogers, I saw his name flying around. Um, there have been some rumors that he may not be playing this year, so take that what you will. Um he may potentially be an opt-out guy, but we'll wait for the news to come out on that. There's opportunity for Keontae Jenkins, um, a recruit from the 2020 class, obviously um, a true freshman coming in and playing right away. Wouldn't be totally unprecedented, but in a position that's as important as playing safety at Virginia Tech for Justin Hamilton, the back end of the defense. I'm not sure you want a true freshman playing that. It's it's kind of tough enough that you may have J.R. Walker suiting up back there as a redshirt freshman playing his first collegiate snaps, uh, at least on the defensive side of the football in that sort of capacity, and having him be one of your two starting safeties. That's a, that's a tough ask as well. So Virginia Tech has all of a sudden gotten pretty thin at safety. That's something that we've talked about leading up to this season. Um, more in the context of Divine Diablo and his injury history. We talked about kind of how thin Virginia Tech was in the back end of the secondary. Um, not necessarily a corner, but definitely at the safety positions. And now you have a healthy Divine Diablo for now, but now you don't have Devin Hunter. And you're not going to have Devin Hunter this year by, by all accounts. And you're going to have to find a way to replace his production. Um, J.R. Walker is a guy who had you know, received his fair share of snaps in camp um, at the rover position, a guy who was competing for the starting role with Devin Hunter. It was obviously pretty, you know, it, it was one of those things where Devin Hunter was the anticipated starter at the position, but J.R. Walker was working in there. So it wouldn't be totally unprecedented to see him play there. Um, Justin Fuente was asked about and media availability on Monday afternoon. Uh, he wasn't going to touch the Devin Hunter news just because the criminal charges and, and kind of what the fallout of that hadn't really been released yet. Um, so that information was still kind of floating out there. But um, number two, like he wouldn't even really speak to who would be replacing Devin Hunter at safety. He mentioned a couple guys that we've already talked about, but he said the coaching staff hadn't really gotten that far in, in the evaluation yet, which I don't believe for a second. I think they know exactly who's going to be slotting in and who's likely going to be the backup to whoever that starter is. My my bet would be on J.R. Walker at this point. Ricky, I, I don't know if you have any strong leanings one way or another there. I thought Tyree Rogers was a really good candidate until um, we talked about this before we started recording, and you mentioned that there's rumors that Tyree Rogers is not going to play. Um, just given, given Tyree's experience and his, kind of his versatility, because at this point, He's played um, three of the the four positions in, in the in the secondary. He's played corner. He's played free safety. Um, it, he's been working at Rover, so he's he's pretty versatile and at least uh, mature at this point, given his status in the program. But uh, J.R. Walker is probably the guy. Um, he is probably one of the most heralded recruits in the program at the moment. I think that that's fair to say. Uh, yep. four-star guy with a pretty good offer list. Um, NC State, South Carolina, Clemson um, included in that offer list, um, which is 
impressive. So um, I think J.R. Walker is probably the guy. I have no idea what to expect from him. Um, I I'm not expecting him to be a good a good guy in his first season. Um, but then again, I mean, who knows at this point? I think the only issue is that because practices have been so so wonky this entire off season, Jr. hasn't had a full real preseason camp in order to prepare himself to be on the field. So you have a guy that was red shirting last year, probably, probably playing scout team. Um, and now he is being thrust into this role um, where everyone around him is in a new defense. So that's the other thing too, is that it would be, it would be a bit easier to expect him to be able to play at a specific level if the guys around him were, were comfortable in their, in their roles. But we all know that Justin Hamilton is changing things this year. So even though they're still running the same formations and the same uh, same packages a lot of the times in terms of personnel, th- there are going to be scheme changes that we're going to notice. And, and these DBs are going to be adjusting to those scheme changes. So they're going to be worrying about their own stuff. So it's, it's going to be a bit harder for them to worry about their stuff and – help JR along. So I don't know how this is going to work out. I can't imagine that it's going to be a positive for Virginia tech. Um, but at this point you just have to limit the damage. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm with you. I mean, I think if Tyree Rogers plays, I think he's the guy. Um, I, I think if the rumors are true and he does end up opting out, I, I think you go with JR Walker and just see what he can do. And I think that makes the most sense just given how highly touted of a recruit he was and how he's already worked in at safety, at least um, in practices. And I'm with you. Like, I'm not expecting a whole lot out of him, not to say that he won't turn into a good player at some point, but it's hard to step in as a redshirt freshman in a new defense. And that's even before you take into account the offseason we've just had. Um, well, let me and add the fact this, that they Mike, haven't really. This is, yep. This is, something, this is something that I was throwing around in my head. Um, what are the odds? that Justin Hamilton decided to move Shamari Connor to Rover and then play Breon Murray in the slot. Is that, did you think that that's feasible? Yeah, I saw that floated around. I think it's feasible and I don't think it's the worst plan of action. And I think what's really going to come down to is Hamilton's level of trust in either Tyree Rogers or J.R. Walker um, at that Rover position, whoever it ends up being. Um, if he feels more comfortable having Shamari Connor on the field um, and just being like, you know what, you play that new role, we'll slide Breon Murray in at corner. And Breon Murray, you'll remember, Rick, and we talked about this um, in the offseason. Breon Murray is a guy who stepped in, in especially in the Belk Bowl against Kentucky, and had a really strong game, um, played well when Caleb Farley was out last year, um, really helped Jermaine Waller along too. Jermaine Waller obviously played really well um, last year as well, all year long, but especially taking on that added role when Caleb Farley was out of the lineup. And Breon Murray just kind of stepped in and took the bull by the horns. I thought played pretty well um, in limited snaps. And I think if he sees more of a role, and he's a guy, by the way, that Justin Fuentes talked about uh, throughout fall camp. He's a guy who's like taking steps forward. He's been a really strong contributor. Um, a guy who's been working really hard and a guy who's improved by all accounts. So I could see that happening. And I think it's really just going to come down to Justin Hamilton's comfort level with the potential replacement for Devin Hunter 
at that rover position. And if he just feels more comfortable with Shamari Connor, all the better. I mean, I could certainly see that happen too. Yeah, I mean, it it would it would allow Virginia Tech to put their best five on the field. And right. I know that that's a philosophy that Bud Foster was very fond of. Bud was was known for making his defensive backs versatile, and we often saw guys cross-train um, at all sorts of positions, um, including Devin Hunter. And that kind of artificial depth allows you to move guys around and, and get your best five players on the field. And I wonder if that's something we could see. Or maybe they, they just move Breon Murray to Rover. I'm not sure that he would be a good fit there. Um, but I, I think it, it is entirely possible that we see Breon Murray work his way into the starting lineup over um, in, in place of Devin Hunter. So that way tech is able to get their most talented guys and the guys that have the most experience and guys are comfortable with. Yeah. And, and Ricky, to be quite honest, like I don't think, you know, Virginia tech, I, I mean, I guess with the cancellation of the game, this upcoming weekend that we'll get into here in a second, I don't think that Justin Hamilton necessarily has the luxury to just all of a sudden be like, all right, we got to like break these guys in and see if they can fit there. I think he's just got to try to make it work. Like we're, you know, most teams have started the season. Virginia Tech is not one of those teams, um, but they will be soon. And they have a little bit of time, but they don't have a ton of time to get guys up to speed. So, you know, Justin Hamilton approaching it from the standpoint of I'm going to be putting my best five DBs on the field would not surprise me in the least. Um, that's something that I think is totally on the table. It's something that, like you mentioned, Bud Foster did quite a bit uh, throughout his long tenure at Virginia Tech. I could definitely see that happening. Um, it'll be really interested. It's interesting to see. I mean, I'm not necessarily sure there's any sort of combination that would even surprise me at this point, just given the fact that I think Justin Hamilton's going to have to get creative in, in how he approaches this. Um, because let's say J.R. Walker plays Rover and then doesn't play well, then what do you do? Do you go the Chamari Connor route and, and do you move Breon Murray into the slot? Like, what do you what do you do? I mean, we're going to see pieces start to get moved around. You're in a COVID environment anyway, Rick, and they got to be totally prepared um, for whatever comes their way from a depth perspective. You know, there's a lot of guys who, you know, could have, you know, could catch COVID, might be in quarantine, might not be able to play week to week, right? Like, that's a distinct possibility. We've seen it with other programs already. Virginia Tech's having their issues with that that we'll talk about momentarily here. Um, so I, I think guys are just going to have to be prepared to play multiple positions, and this is something that becomes all the more prominent now that you don't have Devin Hunter. Yeah, and it also makes you wonder how simplified is this scheme going to be this year? Um, one thing that Justin talked about kind of in the offseason was um, spicing things up a bit on the back end um, and doing some different things than what we've seen over the last few seasons. You have to wonder how much of that goes away because of the limited preparation and because they're a bit thin at safety. Um, it, it, we're going to have to wait until they play a game in order to figure all this out. And that's a great segue into the next point, which is that we're going to have to wait a bit more until we actually see some tech football. We are. So before this Devin Hunter news broke, that was not the biggest news of the weekend. Um so prior to the Devin Hunter news that broke on Monday, there was another piece of news that broke on Saturday morning and rumors started to swirl 
last Friday night that Virginia Tech was having issues with COVID numbers with some of their football players. And that is something that has been kind of a hot button topic all offseason. Um, I would say mostly in part to Virginia Tech not necessarily being too transparent as an athletic department in releasing what those COVID numbers have looked like and how players have tested, how many players have been in quarantine or tested positive at a given time. Virginia Tech's been pretty tight-lipped on all that. So, once again, Rick, they lose the PR battle here. Um, Look, Virginia Tech had multiple positives. Um, Whit Babcock said in a press conference on Saturday that they had enough positives that they weren't going to be able to play UVA this upcoming Saturday. Um, So, now the game originally scheduled for Saturday the 19th against UVA, the opener, has been postponed. Um, what Babcock said in his press conference that there hasn't been a date set yet. Um, we're recording this on Tuesday night. And as of now, there still hasn't been a date set for that game. The likely scenario is that Virginia tech could potentially play UVA towards the end of the year. The Hokies have a bye week prior to Clemson that UVA could potentially make work. There's also rumors that Virginia tech could potentially move the game against Liberty and instead play UVA that weekend. But there has to be some shuffling on UVA schedule as well uh, to make scheduling possibilities later in the schedule work. But apparently both programs are pretty open to trying to make that happen. So I would bet on seeing a Virginia Tech UVA game at some point this year. Virginia Tech apparently had <clears throat> quarantine, a high number of players of quarantine. Uh, nobody knows the exact number of positive cases. There were <laughs> several rumors flying around message boards about Um, the number of players in quarantine. I've seen anywhere between like 30 and 50 in quarantine, which is, you know, who knows where that number falls. But either way, it's not good for Virginia Tech. Um, The Hokies, of course, were supposed to play NC State um, this past Saturday. That didn't happen because NC State had issues with their COVID test numbers. And now Virginia Tech has similar issues and now cannot play UVA this upcoming Saturday on the 19th. So now, Ricky... NC State's the opener again a week from this this coming Saturday. So that's kind of where we're at with things. For now. <laughs> yeah, for I mean, now. Who, yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Who knows how this is going to look in five days. I mean, it's just, it's, we knew this was going to be the case coming in. Um, we knew that the teams were going to have to be flexible. It's the same thing that Major League Baseball has had to do um, in, in terms of shuffling their schedule around, which They've done quite well, actually. Uh, credit to them for getting things calmed down without using the bubble. It, it was it was kind of ugly at first, uh, but things definitely turned around in that sport. And you have to hope that the same thing can happen in college football once these guys start getting into a rhythm of, of an actual season uh, and and being under that 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 schedule. Um, it's a shame because tech fans at this point need some actual games to talk about because we have beat a dead horse dead. <laughs> it, it is, it has gotten to the point now where we are arguing over the same things that we were arguing about uh, six months ago. So um, hopefully uh, both NC state and tech will be prepared and ready to play um, on the 26th. Uh, if not, I think, some people are going to lose their minds, possibly myself included. 
but Lord knows, man, hopefully, hopefully they can get this going. I did see something that apparently tech has been taking a lot of flack for the amount of positives that they had. And then Ed Orgeron, who I'm a big fan of, Me too. Uh, actually commented that uh, most of his team at one point or another has had COVID. And that basically went untouched uh, on, on the national news circuit. So um, look, do, do, do schools, I guess, bear some responsibility for their COVID numbers? Yes. Do they bear all of the responsibility? No. There, there, there are some things that are unavoidable, and there are some things that are outside of the head coach's control. And one of those things is what are his players doing in their free time? So this is probably a combination of things. I'm not going to blame the players. I'm not going to blame the coaches. Um, this stuff happens. You know, people get sick, and it just happens to be that we're dealing with a highly contagious uh, virus right now that makes it a lot easier for people to get sick. So I'm not going to blame anyone. I think anyone who's trying to use this as a a club to beat Justin Fuente over the head with, I think you're reaching. Uh, look, I'm, I have never been shy to criticize Justin Fuente and I would never will be, but I think people who are doing that are reaching on this one for sure. Um, I'm not going to lay this at the feet of Justin Fuente. Uh, the only thing that I think is reasonable to criticize the program for is um, how they've handled all of this in terms of in the media and, and on and on social media and things of that nature. Um, but this stuff happens, man. Tech is not the only program to have a bunch of positives. Their positives happen to be right when the season is supposed to start, whereas we've seen other schools like Oklahoma who had a ton of positives earlier in the in the process and have since been able to to get that under control. Yeah, totally with you. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the, the LSU story going completely untouched with all the COVID numbers that they've had that have been positive, you know, the amount of positive cases they've had and Virginia Tech really just mostly being put um, in a tough position because of contact tracing, not necessarily because of the amount of positive tests. Um, look, there, there's going to be unfair media coverage here and there. It kind of is what it is in the college football news cycle and just in the American news cycle as it is, no, no matter kind of what the topic may be. It's just kind of the way things are going to be. But um, I, I will say that I think Virginia Tech as an athletic department can do a little bit better job trying to win the PR battle in, in some cases, right? Like if they don't want to release the COVID numbers, that's fine. Obviously nobody's asking for him to release the names of players, right? We don't, we don't care what individual player has COVID. If they don't want to release those names, that's totally fine with me. Um, but I, I think that the Virginia tech athletic department can do a little bit better job from a communication standpoint, being a bit more transparent. And it's totally up to them, Ricky, like what they want to disclose and what they don't want to disclose. But there, there's some easy wins that they could have from a PR standpoint, from an information standpoint, most importantly, that they don't feel the need to always disclose. Um, one of those pieces of information that's a, a pretty easy one for me to remember from earlier in the offseason. So this is before the NCAA said, look, 
we're going to honor the scholarships of all these players from an eligibility standpoint. You know, it doesn't really matter if they play or they don't play. We're going to just give them and give them this kind of grace year of eligibility. Before all of that happened, there were players opting out, not knowing um, across college football whether or not their scholarships were going to be honored. Most schools in the ACC came out and bluntly said, yes, like we're honoring the scholarships of kids who want to opt out at this school and this school and this school. When Virginia Tech was asked about that, they didn't say if they were honoring the scholarships or not. The entire time they knew they were going to be honoring the scholarships of those players, but they kept that information close to the best. They didn't uh, relay that message to the media when asked directly. Um, I believe it was ESPN who reached out to them and said, hey, look, like, are you honoring the scholarships for these players who are opting out? They said no comment. Other schools said yes, definitely, absolutely. Why wouldn't we do that, et cetera? Virginia Tech was one of the few schools in the ACC that didn't release that information. That's something that's an easy PR when something you know the answer to. You know you're going to honor those scholarships. Every school in the conference is doing it. You know you're going to be doing it. So why not just say yes? I, I don't think there's anything wrong with disclosing that information. It's not giving a competitive advantage to anybody. It's really just putting, painting your school in a good light. I think some small pieces of information here and there like that could be released to the media when they're asked about it directly. And they don't always do that. I think it puts them in a tough spot and unfortunately doesn't give them the benefit of the doubt, Ricky, when shit hits the fan, so to speak, right? When COVID yeah. numbers are out there and, and you're, you know, and you're, you have to cancel a game. And it's all, it's your school's fault now, right? Because your COVID numbers are out of control. You don't get the benefit of the doubt anymore when you don't release easy information to the media when directly asked. Yes, and this is just a general rule of thumb in all industries, whether it be sports, politics, business, whatever. You're generally going to be given more leeway when you're more transparent. So if you're open and honest about the situation and whether it be your triumphs or your shortcomings, people are going to be able to understand a bit more. And if you mess up, they're going to be a lot more willing to forgive you. Uh, when you play things close to the chest and you um, not necessarily hide things, but you avoid saying a lot in, in purposefully in public, then some people aren't going to give you that break because they've been asking you for information for a while now and you haven't given it to them. So there's a give and take that happens with public relations. Um, I'm biased in the sense that I come from a journalism background. I am for 100% transparency on just about everything. Um, I think more information is better than less information in almost every – I can't think of a scenario in which it isn't. Um, but there's, there's give and take that happens there. And I'm not naive to that, but, um, from my perspective, you can do yourself a lot of favors by just being open and honest about things and trying to get ahead of something, uh, especially if it's a negative story rather than trying to play catch up. Um, and it, it can be something as serious as this, or it can be as something as trivial as, Justin Fuente uh, awarding walk-on scholarships. This is something that we right. see big programs do across the country, and when they do it, they make a big deal out of it. They make it a marketing tool, and they use it uh, 
to boost morale with the fan base and to make themselves look good to recruits and everyone else. But Justin Fuente has said before that he doesn't uh, put that information out there. So if they do a big celebration behind closed doors for a walk-on who gets awarded a scholarship, we never see it. We never know about it. And I think that that leads to some people unfairly criticizing Fuente of not being emotionally connected to his athletes, which is a bunch of crap. Um, but you open yourself up to those types of criticisms when you do play things close to the chest. Yep. Totally agree. Um, so we'll see if any of that changes. I, (laughs) from a PR standpoint, I doubt it will. Um, but either way, Virginia tech will not be opening the season this coming Saturday against UVA, which is why we're talking about off the field stuff and we're not previewing um, the Virginia Cavaliers on this podcast, Ricky. So we have another bye week um, this upcoming Saturday. Virginia Tech will not be playing here in what is week three officially of the college football season. Um, but Virginia Tech should hopefully be opening the season with a night game, by the way, against NC State. Um, that'll be a week from Saturday on September 26th. Um, again, tentatively, we'll see what happens there. Ricky, real quick, when Virginia Tech opens the season, Hendon Hooker will be the starting quarterback, but Braxton Burmeister might play. And you have some things to say about that. Might play. He is going to (laughs) play. Justin Fuente made that explicitly clear. Um, I I hate two-quarterback systems. They almost every single time, they don't work. I know... There were some people giving me examples, and congratulations, you found the needle in the haystack. Good for you. Um, when you have, when you have, especially in college, when players are a lot streakier than they are in the pros, um, when you start taking guys out of rhythm and and you start removing those opportunities for them to see what's happening on the field, you open yourself up to them making more mistakes. And it's a lot harder to find a rhythm offensively. Now, I'm not saying that Braxton Burmeister shouldn't go out there and play if Hendon Hooker stinks up the joint, because he should. Um, but that's not that's not what's happening here. It sounds a lot like this is going to be a two-quarterback system. And if, if we see something where Hendon Hooker and Braxton Burmeister are both running an offense and running the same packages, and it's not like something where... Braxton Burmeister has a specific package for him where he has a specific set of plays in a specific situation. And if we just see Brad Cornelson and Justin Fuente out there willy nilly deciding who's going to, who's going to play quarterback this drive, I think it's going to go absolutely terribly. Um, And frankly, I, I don't think it's fair to Hendon Hooker who by all accounts has not had a bad camp. I haven't heard anything about Hendon Hooker going into camp and stinking up the place. And the offense last year was so drastically better and was much more productive with Hendon Hooker on the field than it was Ryan Willis. Um, And Hendon Hooker, in my opinion, has earned the starting role and has earned a chance to, to hold on to that role. And you're almost cutting the guy at the kneecaps by not letting him play a whole game and run the offense. 
Yeah, I mean, I I get all that. It's going to be interesting because I don't really know what this is going to look like. Um, I'm I'm willing to reserve judgment until I see what this looks like on the field. They are two quarterbacks with very similar skill sets, and I think it's safe to assume at this point, without any games being played, that it's going to be a very similar offense, and it's pretty clear by the way that Justin Fuente has talked about it um, in the press conference when he said that Hendon Hooker was the starter, Braxton Burmeister will play, that there isn't really much of a drop-off when either player is in the game of quarterback and the offenses look pretty similar. And, of course, we don't have to look much further than last year when Ryan Willis was running a much different offense than Hendon Hooker was uh, when he was in the game, right? Like Virginia Tech's offense from a running game standpoint and as far as like design quarterback runs were concerned, there were almost none of those implemented for Ryan Willis because it just didn't fit his skill set. He was a pocket passer. Um, but obviously once Hendon Hooker entered the game and he was more of a dual threat guy, um, that was a bit more um, a bit more apparent, right? Like Virginia Tech had more designed quarterback runs. They utilized more of those quarterback read option plays that they weren't going to utilize truly with Ryan Willis. I mean, they showed it, but it was always a handoff to the running back no matter what. Um, so you're going to see uh, two athletic quarterbacks in Hendon Hooker and Braxton Burmeister likely run the same offense. So a couple questions. Number one, why are you doing that, right? Um, yes, because of Why? what Hendon, because right because of what how good Hendon Hooker was last year for Virginia Tech. Um, but number two, if you think Braxton Burmeister is the guy, why not start him right away? And yeah. the reason why and and the reason why he's not doing that, Ricky, is because I think he knows he's going to lose the PR battle. Right? If since Braxton when is Burmeister, when they cared about that though? Right. Well, that's and that's a fair question, um, but. Look, if Braxton Burmeister goes out in game one, say he's named the starting quarterback, which he's not, but let's just play it out, right? Braxton Burmeister goes out in game one against uh, who we think is going to be NC State, and he sucks, right? And he's absolutely terrible, um, and he makes some mistakes that cost you the football game. Then what do you do? And I'm not saying that that still can't happen if Braxton Burmeister plays. I mean, Hendon Hooker's the starter. He can go out. He can play well. Maybe Braxton Burmeister comes in and Virginia Tech's in a tight game with NC State and Braxton Burmeister comes into the game and throws a horrible interception, right? And NC State goes down and scores. We're going to be asking the same questions, right? Why was Braxton Burmeister even playing? This should have been Hendon Hooker's offense. This is going to flip on Fuente quickly if it doesn't work. Um, no matter who he chose to be the starting quarterback, as soon as he said, okay, this could be a two quarterback system, it has the potential for a disaster. It also has the potential um, to showcase Braxton Burmeister's ability and potentially lead to him being the starting quarterback at some point. And if that's the case, that's going to be really, really interesting um, in Blacksburg this fall, uh, because we all thought, at least I did, I, I thought this entire offseason it was headed hooker's job to lose, wasn't even really going to be much of a quarterback competition you were in that boat with me and Andrew kept telling us he was like guys like everybody's saying Braxton Burmeister has looked really good in practice and is the most athletic quarterback on the team and now it seems like he's jumped Quincy Patterson on the depth chart he's the cleared number two quarterback and I, I'll even put like this he's 1b right he's option 1b at this point it's, it's not even like he's the backup quarterback he's going to be playing a lot it sounds like 
And if that's the case, like, what does this Virginia Tech offense look like? If there's not much of a drop-off when either quarterback comes in, that's fine. Um, but if the upside really isn't there, like, if you're not really gaining too much by playing a two-quarterback system, why even do it? Like, those are the types of questions that I have um, with this, without seeing it play out on the field, Rick. When you, when you play two quarterbacks, you're not going to get a sum of the parts because the parts are not going to perform at the same efficient level as you would otherwise expect them to. So if you put Hendon Hooker out there, and let's say Hendon Hooker plays two series, and then he comes out and he sits for two series, those next two series that he's sitting on the sideline for, you are not able to get the same feel for the defense that you are facing from the sideline. You're just not. Um, th- that kind of comfortability only comes from being behind center. Uh, and the same goes with Braxton Burmeister. If you think Braxton is the guy, then why the hell not give him 100% of the snaps? Um, to me, this almost seems like they're hedging their bets, and I don't want to see that out of a head coach. I want my head coach to say, look, this is who I think is the number one guy. We're going to ride with him, and if he goes out there and, and sucks, then we'll make a change, but we're going to give him every opportunity to succeed, and based upon all of the available information, Hendon Hooker is, is the guy. He is 1A. And when you're going to prepare for a football game, especially at quarterback, I don't really give a crap who your 1B is because that's not the guy I want behind center. That's not the guy I want making a throw on third and seven. I want 1A. And if Hendon Hooker's the starter, then he's 1A. So give me 1A, damn it. I don't, I, I don't care who your 1B is because he's not as good. At least in 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 the coach's eyes. Yeah, Hendon Hooker fell a few passes short of qualifying for NCAA passing efficiency numbers last year. If he did, he would have fallen just behind Trevor Lawrence in passing efficiency. He would have had yeah, a top so, ten mark in the country. All these people that are trying to downplay what Hendon Hooker did last year, you're all you're all kidding yourselves. So look at what Hendon did. Look at the track record uh, of Hendon Hooker. Look at the track record of Braxton Burmeister and tell me which guy that you're more comfortable giving the starting job to, to start the season. Right. Right. Especially, especially in a situation where Braxton was not running the offense a ton last year because he was probably running scout team because he was ineligible. Right. So Hendon Hooker is the most familiar with this offense and this entire time We've been talking about the impact of not having a normal practice schedule in a normal practice setting. So you're going to go in there and jack it up even more by switching the quarterback reps out every other, every other drive or every two or three drives. It just seems, it seems completely unnecessary to me. And it, it just looks like this has danger written all over it. The one thing that kind of has frustrated me with, um, with Justin Fuente since he's arrived in Blacksburg and I'm all for competition at all your positions. I'm all for playing the best guys and I'm all for making people earn their spots. That's how your team gets better. But when it's so clear who your starting quarterback should be year over year and you are portraying it to the media, uh, look, we're not, we're not stupid. We know if it's a real competition or not um, because in ordinary years, 
we're able to see enough and hear enough coming out of practice to know what's a real competition and what isn't. But when you play this game with the media, and it gets back to this P, the whole PR thing um, with the athletic department, when you play this game with the media that, oh, we're not naming our starting quarterback till week one, and, you know, Josh Jackson, after a really good freshman year, isn't necessarily going to be our quarterback going into year two, or Hendon Hooker after turning quite literally turning the season around and saving Justin Fuente's job. We were approaching, you know, we were approaching that quickly last September. Um, all of a sudden Hendon hooker. Oh, not necessarily the guy. We'll have to see how camp plays out. Yada, yada, yada. Okay. Finally, we're like, okay, he's the starting quarterback, but this other guy will play too. Like at, at what point are we going to stop doing this? Is this how it's going to be year over year over year? Like I, that's just more of a, a personal ramp. It's a little bit frustrating, right? I get it. I mean, um, I don't really have an issue with Justin Fuente forcing his guys to to earn their jobs back. But f- by all accounts, Hen and Hooker has earned that job. And it, t- to me, it just seems like Justin Fuente is taking a very unnecessary gamble. Like, I don't. I don't understand what you have to win by playing two quarterbacks. If you think Hendon Hooker is better than Braxton Burmeister, then why would you want anyone at quarterback other than Hendon Hooker? And and the same goes the other way. If you think Braxton Burmeister is your starter, then why in the hell would you want anyone taking snaps behind center other than Braxton Burmeister? Two quarterback systems make no sense to me especially when they have quarterbacks that are capable of doing the same things. Um, we saw, you know, last year where Quincy Patterson had a package on, in short yardage situations or in the red zone. And that was because Hendon and Braxton Burmeister cannot run up the middle like Quincy can because Quincy's such a big bodied guy. Uh, but you're, you're basically playing the same guy at quarterback and just two different players. but they're not able to telepathically communicate with one another what they're seeing on the field and missing those reps in game reps is going to make it a lot harder for that player to adjust in the middle of the game. Yeah, without doubt. So we'll just have to see how it plays out on the field. Um, when the Hokies should take the field um, a week from Saturday against NC state, I'm curious to see how these, you know, how this rotation goes, if it's even worth it, if it was all smoke and mirrors just to throw the opponent off, I, I don't really subscribe to that. I think Puente was serious, um, but I'm interested to see how it all pans out. Ricky, yeah. I think that'll do it. Do you have anything else? Um, n- no, I don't think so. Um, hope everyone's doing fine with COVID and everything. Um, just hang tight. We'll have football here soon, hopefully. Um, cause if not, we're all going to lose our damn minds. Yeah. I mean, try to watch the other games to keep your mind off of the fact that Virginia tech will not be playing this weekend, but we'll hopefully have Hokies football back here super soon. Yeah. And my, my Orioles are, are losing steam. So <laughs> I need, I need another team to follow intensely and Virginia tech needs to hit the field in order for me to do that. Orioles magic is fading quick. Ricky. Yes. But you know what? It was fun while it lasted. And all the all the so-called experts who said we were going to be the worst team in the majors and 
We may not even win 10 games out of 60 this year. All of y'all can piss off. I like it. <laughs> lucky for you, my lucky for you, my Red Sox took that uh, honor yes. role. Thank you, um, thank you for yes. for uh, falling under the guillotine this uh, this time around. Yeah, ha- happy to do it. Glad our ownership <laughs> is among among the cheapest in Major League Baseball. Anyway, uh, Rick Andrew will be back um, next time we record. He wasn't able to join us tonight, obviously, uh, but Andrew, I know you're listening to this, so. We're looking forward to having you back on soon. Also, in the meantime, um, you can, if you're go, in Blacksburg, Main Street Pharmacy, go get, get all of yes. your prescriptions there. Um, they're they're awesome. Um, Andrew can attest to that. He's attested to it on several occasions. So go to Main Street Pharmacy if you're in Blacksburg and you need any sort of pharmaceutical needs, or if you just want to talk to somebody who really likes hockey football. Yeah, proud sponsor of the, of the podcast, Dr. Jeremy Counts. Go check him out, Main Street Pharmacy, downtown Blacksburg. We love Jeremy for a number of reasons. Um, one of the most important reasons, of course, is because he pays us to do this. So uh, go give <laughs> Jeremy, I mean, I'm not a liar, Rick, right? Uh, go give Jeremy no. your business if you're in the um, New River Valley. Uh, make sure you, uh, you go support the Main Street Pharmacy. Um, but in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at Hokey Hangover. Make sure to go subscribe. Um, make sure to give us a like uh, and a review um, and give us five stars there on Apple. That'll really help us out a lot. Follow Ricky at Ricky LeBlue. Follow me at Mike McDaniel VT and follow Andrew at Andrew Alex Radio. Um, and we'll be back soon. Hopefully, Ricky previewing NC State. Um, but. Who's to say? So, um, but until next time, uh, for Ricky and for Andrew, who's here in spirit, I'm Mike McDaniel. As always, go Hokies. (laughs) 